Hey everybody, welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. And I'm Nikki Miller. And today we have a very special guest, John Gucci Foley, who spent 20 years as a commander in the U.S. Navy and became a naval aviator and was selected for the Blue Angels and became their operations officer and the lead solo pilot. He is also the best-selling author of Fearless Success and the host of the High Performance Zone podcast and the founder of John Foley Inc. and the Glad to Be Here Foundation. Chris, this was such a cool conversation. I mean, talk about energy. Gucci, as we as we named named and called him at the end, uh, Gucci had some of the best energy I've ever heard. And it's so clear why he's been able to lead teams, not only in organizations, but also within the Blue Angels. Oh, you, you said it. Amazing energy, amazing experience. It's awesome how he's taken this career of performing at the highest level in the world's Toppest, top, most elite performing uh, jet team, and use that to build a framework around how you can grow as a leader, form elite teams, and run a business at a high level. And there's such a correlation between excelling at what he did and excelling in business, and just this idea that excellence doesn't really know an industry or a name. It's really how people choose to show up in an organization. And also, I love this idea that at the highest level, I mean, they're they're doing things that that have the largest stakes, right? Much much more at stake than us on a day to day in business. And they're still using some of these very basic principles in order to excel. Namely, the biggest principle I took away is that these these people coming into these organizations some of the best pilots in the world still have coaches. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much to take away from this conversation. So why don't we go jump in and talk to John Gucci Foley? Let's do it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. We are so excited. We've got a very special guest today, John Gucci Foley, who for 20 years was commander, uh, a commander in the U.S. Navy and became a naval aviator and was selected for the Blue Angels and became their operations officer and lead solo pilot. Also, the author of Fearless Success and the host of the High Performance Zone podcast and founder of the Glad to Be Here Foundation. Welcome, John. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, man. I'm glad to be here. And I guarantee you that statement will take on a deeper meaning for everybody that's listening. Well, we're super excited. I ha- I'm, I already told Chris before he jumps into all of the pilot references, which I know he's going to want to do on this. I, I have one very specific question that I've always wanted to know. Yeah. How does one get their call sign? Oh, okay. How did you become John Gucci Foley? Well, cool. you call all fighter pilots get call signs. Let me give you a first clue. You don't get to pick it, and if you like it, it doesn't stick, all right? So one one day, um, we're flying in Top Gun. In fact, I did some of the flying in that original movie. We're up in Fallon, Nevada, and things are going pretty well. It's like a Friday night. We go, let's go out in town. So, you know, we're all going to meet in the lobby, and uh, everyone else is wearing, like, jeans and T-shirts. I walk down wearing slacks, a button-down shirt. Here's what killed me, a thin black leather tie. Okay. Oh, yeah, that wasn't cool. A leather tie is bold. It's That's bold, bold, but it wasn't dog. even cool in the 80s, right? And, and, and my teammates, they look at me and they go, that's Gucci. And I flinched. See, now once you flinch, they know they got you. Uh, now, it didn't help that I was actually living on a sailboat, driving an Alfa Romeo at the same, at the same time, too. So I gave them lots of ammunition. <laughs> I love that. Well, now the kids say it's like it's a saying. You got to stay Gucci. So your call sign became a cultural phenomenon. Well, and that's the that's the crazy part. See, when I got it, it wasn't cool. And now it is. So what's that karma? I mean, you know, it went from I hated it to now it's cool. What really happened is that you won in the end, John. That's what happened. All right. All right. I'll go with that. I, I, uh, I'm OK with it now. John, I, I at risk of making this whole podcast about airplanes and flying, I'll keep it I'll keep it contained because yeah. as I mentioned to you before we started, I I've, have a passion for flying. But uh, I yeah. I went and saw the Blue Angels for the first time when I was 12 years old. My dad took me to the Air and Sea Show, that the huge event they have off the coast of Florida, Fort Lauderdale. In Fort Lauderdale, yeah. I saw the Blue Angels, and that's that's when it began. I began my flying journey, but. I'm curious to hear how you got into it and how you discovered aviation and how it's grown into what you have today in your business and your books. Well, well, here's what's classic because it's very similar to you. So I was actually born in Germany. My dad was an army officer and I love my dad. I wanted to be just like him, but he was an engineer and he's an army officer. So that's what I thought I was going to be. One day he took me to air show. Here's ironic, Chris, 12 years old. But so my cool. 12 year old story was Newport, Rhode Island. 
And I look up in the sky and you know, you've been in an air show. It's visceral, man. You can feel it. It's like the biggest sporting event you're at. There's smoke oil in the air. You feel the jets, the crowds all around you. And I'm like, I turned to my dad that day. I said, dad, I'm going to do that. A 12 year old kid, right? I remember distinctly that day. I can, I can still bring it clear in my mind uh, because it hit me in the heart, not the head, right? And I think that's a critical point for any entrepreneur out there, any any successful person, you got to connect the heart and the head. And that happened that day. It happened in an instant. Now, did it, was it easy? Hell no. Are you kidding me? It took me 18 years, tons of obstacles. I got rejected three times for the academies. I accidentally shot a missile by mistake one day. I mean, I had all kinds of uh, struggles getting to that day, but 18 years later, man, strapping in in that blue jet with the gold helmet. Um, and, uh, you know, now it's about sharing those experiences in a way that helps others. Um, I'm sorry. Can we go back to you shooting a missile <laughs> by mistake? What did that did that that catch your attention? I <laughs> saw you just try, I just saw you like try to that. roll <laughs> right over that. Yeah, you shot a missile by mistake. Well, John. Even How did worse, that happen? I almost shot down my own boss. So whoever oh out God. there listening to this thing, don't do this, man. I don't know what this is in your world, but it ain't good, man. It's not good, right? So this person doesn't get invited back to the second interview. Usually. <laughs> no, exactly. No, man, I got grounded. I mean, of course. Okay, so quick story. So uh, Navy fighter pilots, you know, after you go through the training, you get deployed on aircraft carriers. So I'm deployed on my first aircraft carrier. It's, it's called the Enterprise. We're out there over in the Persian Gulf area. This is back when Iran was the problem before Iraq. Okay, remember they were they were mining the Straits of Hormuz. So I'm leading some preparatory strikes. We know we got some stuff coming up, and I'm a flight lead of of the squadron and and of, of the carrier. And so we're going to go out there and we're going to drop some bombs and then um, shoot some missiles. I mean, that was the game plan, right? And so I, I briefed this thing and uh, and I, I dropped some ordnance. I pull off. My wingman joins me and he goes, "Hey Gucci, you got a hung bomb." And I'm going, what? I look out there and there's a bombs hung on my airplane. Well, you know, that's not a normal thing. And they don't like you to land on the aircraft carrier with bombs bouncing around the flight deck. So you got to jettison this thing, right? It's called an emergency jettison procedure. Now, I'm in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Um, normally, you know, you would, you would go through the checklist. You go through all these special procedures. I'm looking around. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to puke this bomb off. So I don't break out my checklist. I reach up, there's this red guarded switch. There's a reason it's red, it's reason it's guarded. It's the emergency jettison switch, and I hit the button. And the next thing I know, this missile comes flying off my jet, a live heat-seeking missile. And I gotta tell you, it goes right by your head. And it's like, and I'm like, oh shit, come back. You know what I mean? <laughs> Have you ever had an oh shit moment? This is one of them, man, I gotta tell you. And uh, it's a heat-seeking missile, so it's gonna go whatever it locks on. And my boss was flying a jet, you know, not far away from me. Luckily it missed him, but it locked on the sun. Now, you think I got a problem on my hands, right? <laughs> so the bottom line problems. is I lay in the jet. Yeah, I was just about to say, I can say I've done a lot of stupid things in my career, and but I've never shot a missile at my boss. No, no, not a good thing. Not good at all. Luckily, it missed him. Uh, but anyhow, I lay on the jet, and I go walking in the, the carrier commander, and he goes, okay, what happened? And I go, boss, I blew it. You know, I, uh, I had a hung bomb. I didn't break out my checklist. I ended up getting the switchology mixed up. And when I hit the button, the missile went center of the bomb. He goes, okay, thanks for telling me you're grounded. Now, ground and a pilot don't go together. So, you know, up to that point, things have been pretty good. Section lead, division lead, strike lead. I'm working my way up just like any company. Um, and this is a big setback. So bottom line is, why do you think that mishap happened? What do you think the root cause of that, that thing was? Well, you said not using your checklist. And certainly well, that's, that's one of them. I'll call that a, a material cause. It's not the root cause, though. Keep going. Why do you think? So you guys are the one thing, right? So what's the one thing that caused that mishap? There's much. There's a, there's a bunch of circumstantial stuff, but what was the one thing? I have to imagine it's you not following the same process you do every time. Yeah, that's 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 definitely uh, a piece of it. Now you know what it is? Complacency. Mm. It took me three days to figure out that I had gotten too comfortable doing something I shouldn't be comfortable doing. Was it that I, I didn't follow my process? Yeah, absolutely. Was it that if I had done my checklist, I would have I would have figured it out and broke the the the, the chain of events? Um, 
but it was complacency. You see, I got too comfortable flying with live ordnance. Let me tell you, the first time you fly with live ordnance, little hairs stand up on the back of your neck. <laughs> little hairs on my head. I used to have hair back then, by the way. Okay, but the, the bottom line is um, I had gotten too comfortable. And, um, you know, so here's the real question for everyone who's listening. What are you complacent about right now? Where are, where's your blind spot in business, in life, in a relationship? It doesn't matter, right? And uh, here's the cool part of this story. So I was grounded. They ripped up. I had just applied to the Blue Angels. My commanding officer ripped up the letter, by the way, which is, it's kind of interesting. If they ever, you ever have somebody pull a letter in front of your face and rip it up? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's truly what, you know, what transpired. So um, once I learned that, it took me a while. I ended up having to go to the Marine Corps. I was an instructor pilot with them, uh, flew jets and taught people how to actually land on aircraft carriers. And then I got a chance and I, I got selected for the blues. And they asked me in my interview, one of my interview questions was, hey, Gucci, have you ever done anything dumb in an airplane? Hey, that was the interview <laughs> question. Yeah. Talk about a setup. You know, we all get interview questions, right? So how are you going to spin this? Spin it. No, man, I'm authentic. I said, what are you kidding me? All the time. Let me tell you the time I accidentally shot a missile, almost shot down my boss and they hired me. So why do you think they hired me because of that story? Why, why would they hire you for that? Well, hopefully you attach the lesson that you just shared with us. Yeah, there you go. That we can be reflective in the mistakes, that which is what really matters at the end of the there day. There you go. Right? I, yeah, it's not the mistake. It's what you learn from it. I mean, mm. it's that simple. Yeah. Right? And and I learned from it in my heart, again, not my head. And uh, you know, you're not going to repeat that again, guarantee you. But more importantly, I can teach it to others. You see, that's what the Blue Angels, we want not just fighter pilots. We want people that are instructors that can actually teach others. Your real mission is to inspire greatness in another human being. We call ourselves ambassadors of goodwill. That's the mission you want. And uh, anyhow, um, yeah, I normally don't tell that story, but yeah. what the hell? You, you <laughs> caught on to though. it, Nikki. You, you, you grabbed it. Complacency is a powerful lesson. I mean, I think there's a lot packed in there that you mentioned that everybody can relate to. There's a, an interesting uh, analogy that uh, that I've been exposed to. Is it, like, remember the first time you drove on the highway and you're like, oh my God, there's death everywhere. This is terrifying. You're doing 85 miles an hour. This person's texting. Well, when I learned to drive, no one had phones, but you know what I mean? There's, there's chaos yeah. all around you. Now you get on the highway and it feels like nothing. And that's true with everything and anything. I've been around some extreme sports and the most extreme yeah. end, people just get complacent. It's like cognitive dissonance. So to your point, like how do you recognize your blind spots? Cause it's no matter what you're doing, if you do it repetitively enough, you can, you can become complacent. Okay. So Chris, you're dead on, right? And now let's bring it back to not only flying, but business. So there's a way that we, we fight against that. What do you think it is in business or, or personal? And I'll give you what I think. I think reflection is a really powerful tool to bring awareness and having different tools for reflection and also having forms of accountability uh, to help you see the, the label from inside the box. Nice, Nikki. I would also offer the perspective. This is actually a reference I use really often when I'm teaching big companies about systems and processes. Yeah. And, and I had the experience of, I have a dear friend who's a pilot who was a commercial pilot who was one time my actual pilot on the plane. Nice. And I got to come in early and watch him kind of go through his whole process. And he's doing this checklist. And I said, hey, Mike, out of curiosity, how many times you lifted one of these things off the ground? He's like, man, probably like 10,000 at this point. And I said, why are you still following this checklist? And he said, because if you don't follow part of your checklist, I come from a real estate industry. He says, you get a bad review. If I don't follow my checklist, somebody dies or I shoot a bomb off at, at my boss, right? <laughs> so so for me, I think the, the, the way that we work around this is by having those checklists and those processes that people follow in order to ensure that even when we get complacent, when it feels, to, to Chris's point, when we, when we normalize that we're still following all the things that made us successful in the first place. Yeah, so I love it. So I'm going to high five you. I'm going to double stamp that. Absolutely. There's a process and there's a mindset. And I think you need both, by the way. Okay. So fundamentals, hit the process. Aviation knows it well, checklists and, and all that. And you, you told it really well. So on the Blue Angels, though, we discovered that there's actually a secret sauce to doing this. Okay. Besides the idea that you brief every time you go flying, so you don't wing it. Right. I mean, and, and you hit those processes, you hit those checklists, what are the specifics, but there, and that's fundamental. So in real estate, 
in anything, what are your fundamental checklists? Okay, get that done and, and absolutely don't diverge from that. That's not going to make you great, by the way. Okay, that, that's not greatness. That's just fundamentals. You know, it's like I Nick Saban called me up and had me speak with the Alabama football team. And uh, we won the national championship that year, by the way. And, uh, and and he said, hey, Gucci, I asked him, I said, hey, coach, what do you want me to talk about? He goes, look, you know what to talk about. He says, you know, I have fundamentals. I have a program. It's part of the process. What he really wanted me to talk about was the mindset, the mindset of greatness. See, that's the differentiator. Right. So I'm going to say yes to process. Yes to all this um, in the Blue Angels. We do that. But what we really do better than any other team in the world. OK. Any other organization in the world. Now I've spoken over 2000 organizations. Not only I spoke with you all, Keller Williams, by the way, I've spoken to Microsoft, Apple, to all the v VC firms, you know, in Silicon Valley, to BMW, Mercedes Benz, you name it. Right. And, and here's the key, though. The key is not the brief. It's not the preparation. It's not the process. It's what you've learned from that. You see, it's what I call the glad to be here debrief. And the Blue Angels, and you, you know the concept on debrief, okay? Well, that's not a new concept. But what we do better than any other organization in the world is we make that a, a connective experience, an experience where, Chris, you talk about where accountability is a given. It actually becomes personal responsibility. It's where you connect with your teammate. It's a leadership moment. You have a safe environment so everybody can lay it on the table, be brutally open and honest. Humility reigns, not egos. OK, you know, no withholds. All these things that you see in the corporate world, we found a process and a way to do it that actually um, allows you to overcome that. But here's the cool. And this is this is the last thing on the secret sauce. It's glad to be here. We celebrate our victories. We focus on the joy of being part of an elite team, the joy of being part of something special. And we end all our comments with the glad to be here. That's why I'm wearing the shirt. This is glad to be here. That's the secret sauce. You got to do all that other stuff. But if you want to be great and sustain greatness, you got to connect with the glad to be here. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Can you can you expand a little bit more on that? Just really talk about, John, like where does the glad to be here mindset come from and what does it really mean? If I'm using that in a business application, walk me through how I how I get my team to have a glad to be here mindset. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, the, the first thing I say anytime I hear a question like that is be Gandhi. OK, and, and why do I say be Gandhi? Be the change you want to see in the world. So if you want to if you want your team to have this engaged, you know, we heard the word engagement all the time, right? If you want your team to be engaged, then you better be engaged, okay? You want your team to be glad to be here? You better live a glad to be here life. You better feel like I feel right now, man. I'm just grateful to be with you too. I'm grateful to be on this podcast. I'm grateful to share this information, hopefully with thousands of people who, who can use it to make a difference. So number one, you got to be authentic, right? And glad to be here is not a foo-foo fluffy statement, okay? It's this combination of excellence, operational excellence with appreciation and gratitude. And, we, and you got to add them both. So we're highly um, self-critical of each other, of each of us first. I am looking inward. You know, if you think about why is the debrief so important? Why do I do this every day in my life, not just in the business? It's because I know that I have to be self-aware first. If I'm self-aware, that's step one. Now I also got to have, you know, the, the courage to lay it on the table. 
No withholds, okay? You got to be willing to talk about your own mistakes first. And that's what we do in the Blue Angels. We don't point out anybody else's mistakes. You look inward first. And it doesn't even have to be a mistake. Here's, here's the mental piece. What could I do just slightly better? What could I have done slightly better um, for the outcome? Now, what you want to do is you want to make sure that this debrief and the way I teach this is it's not done just when there's mistakes. And you don't do debriefs just when you got a problem with your business, okay? You have to put this into the DNA of your organization. It becomes your cadence of execution. Just as you all said, it's so important to know your processes, to have the briefs, keep them simple, by the way, communicate well, all those standard things, okay? But what you really need to do is have it in the DNA of your mind. What did I learn today? How did I grow today? And, and learning and growing is two different things, man. Learning is just, okay, I, I got some new knowledge. Hopefully that's happening here on this, on this. But growing is applying it. Growing is saying, hey, I know when this works and when it doesn't work. And, uh, and then the last, the third piece is giving. You better give, right? You got to give your knowledge. You got to give your time. You got to give your wisdom to somebody else. And that's really where it starts there, Nikki. Starts with giving. I have I have a saying. Tell me if this resonates for you, John. But I have a saying. I like like to lead from the front, um, and yeah. I guess another way to say that's to lead by example. And I think that's yeah, yeah. An, an important hat to wear um, when you're in even even in a team of peers. Right? It's it's you all have to Absolutely. be leaders in your own way. And I, it's I love even the way harder you describe there, that. By the way, mm-hmm. Chris, I think you're right. You you hit it key. The 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 reinforcement doesn't come from the top. It comes from your peers. Mm. Okay. And that's sometimes hard. You know, it's hard to be vulnerable in front of your peers. Hex is hard to be vulnerable in front of your spouse or your significant under. That's the absolute most important person. You said something earlier too, which is, is I think a really important call out, John, which is you don't just do these debriefs or you don't just be vulnerable when things are challenging. No, And I think that's a mistake that a lot of leaders make is that they start coaching when only when things are bad or wrong, right. or they start trying to be vulnerable only when things are bad or wrong, which which typically doesn't work. We're most defensive when, when we've yeah. just done something wrong or when we know we've made a mistake or when we know things aren't going well. And that's often when a lot of leaders will try to start implementing something like this, which is almost always the wrong time. Is that what you see? Yeah, 100%. You got it. So I think what we have to do, and, and maybe to give a better answer to your earlier question, how do you teach this, is you got to paint the picture first. Okay. Anything I do when I go in and work with organizations, not just with the keynotes, but afterwards, is we got to paint the picture for what excellence, teamwork, real high trust really looks like. What does a glad to be here mindset look like, right? I do that with video, right? It's actually easy for me because we go behind the scenes. You get to see me flying 18 inches from a 22-ton jet upside down sometimes, right? You get to go into the briefs and the debriefs. You get to see not only what we're talking about, but get to see these high-level people being brutally open and honest and vulnerable, right? Uh, It's kind of cool. It's really fun. So you got to paint the picture first. Then you have to adapt that and put it into your processes and systems. And I had one, I was just with Mayo two days ago and one of the top neurosurgeons there, you know, we're talking about how do you implement this? Cause you know, healthcare needs it really bad, right? And they get the checklist, they get all that kind of stuff. But the glad to be our debrief is really the game changer. And he goes, Gucci, I got it. He said, this is it. I said, I, he says, this is what will be the success. Here's the one thing. Okay. If I bring this in, as an extra step, an extra part of my protocol, another meeting, no one's going to buy in. We're already too busy. We already got too much crap going on. Okay. He says, I've got to change the mindset that this is actually part of our protocol. This is just how we do business. It's as important as being prepared for something. Right. And um, that's the key. And now, and the beautiful part is once you know how powerful this is, and we could do them quickly, by the way, we could do a debrief right here on the, uh, on, on the show here towards the end, if you want, um, you could do this quickly and you can bring out feelings, not just facts. And I'll say that again. There's a lot of leaders who say, no, no, no. I just want the facts. BS. I need to know how people feel. I want to know you feel good about an event or not, okay? And and you got to have a safe environment, psychologically safe environment where people are willing to share because we all know most aren't. They're withholding something, right? So anyhow, we got to break down those barriers, make it into a positive experience. It doesn't mean it's easy. 
Sometimes, you know, they're, they're tough, right? But, and, and we connect the line, commit. I'll say that again. This is the key. You got to connect as a human being. You got to align with your mission and then you got to commit and you got to be all in on this mission. And uh, if you do that, then the processes become pretty much simple. They reinforce. I love what the, like, because there's a cultural, like organic cultural development that needs to happen that you can inspire Ooh. to create a place where people are willing and to be vulnerable, open and share leading from the front's really great way to do it. And in, in your words yep. were better than mine. Uh, but it, it makes me think about what you said earlier about because you, you called yourself Gucci, like the doctor called you Gucci, you made me think about the call signs and what a cool thing the Navy does with their pilots to inspire some of that vulnerability right from the gate, right? Right as you go through the gate, it's like we recognize there's somewhere you're trying to hide and something that you need to get out. So you really encourage that. So it just made me think there's some things yeah. that I don't think everybody in an organization should give their team members call signs. HR would go nuts, but there's probably something that- That's actually exactly where I was going <laughs> yeah. with this, Chris. I was like, I think that we need to put our, give our whole team call signs. Okay, well, I'm absolutely. I love it. <laughs> and you're hitting on it because it builds chemistry. It builds camaraderie. You connect and you know they don't have to be cool. All right, now- yeah, HR is actually interesting. The, the Navy jumped down on certain call signs because some of them sure. aren't <laughs> HR compliant, right? But um, but the, the the key here is that um, it be authentic, right? And it build that camaraderie. I mean, hey, check this out. So I just wanted to show you this is the real deal, right? This is my Blue Angel uh, helmet. A uh, couple cool things. Uh, first off, That's gold so visor. Cool. All mm. right, you ready for this? Gold visor. It's it allows you to look directly in the light and not blink. I think that's a pretty cool leadership metaphor, pretty cool sales metaphor. When the heat's on, when the pressure's on, can you look directly in the light, not blink. Uh, the reason I brought it up, though, was because, yeah, there's the there's the logo. We don't call it a logo. We call it a crest. Here's what's interesting. When you're selected for the team, you're not allowed to wear it. You're yeah. not allowed to wear it until your teammates and your peers tell you you've earned the right. you got to earn the trust and respect of your teammates wow. every single day. And in trust and respect, small things matter. But the whole reason I brought it up was check it out. What's that say there, Nikki? What's what's what? look at that? It says Gucci on the back. Gucci on the helmet. That's it, man. That's so you cool. You get your call sign on the back of your helmet. You get it on the airplane too. It's kind of cool to walk up to your jet and see your name painted on it, uh, and with it with your call sign. Uh, that's all. I was just cool. about to say the the problem in a regular organization is that we don't have anything we don't have anything cool to put it on. Maybe a jacket or a mug or something. I'm, I certainly don't have a plane that I get to jump into. <laughs> yeah, but the mug. Check it out. I'm going to send you guys two of these, right? Glad to be here mugs. How cool would this be with your call sign on it, right? So every- Please, well, now, we got to come up now with a call sign before the end of this, John, because I'm into it. I, w- I want a mug with my call sign on it. All right. Now, you know who gets to pick it? Not you. Not you. Both. I was going to say both of you, right? Yeah, All right I'm going to be on my best behavior from this point forward. Right. And you got to earn it, man. And if you do something stupid, you're going to make it easy for us, Okay. <laughs> Oh, man, I love that. Well, I I did not wear my leather tie today, so I won't be competing with you. That's all I know. I don't know. You're looking kind of Gucci. I think you you work. Look at that. You know, the Can I compete for Gucci? Come on. (laughs) Uh, You you said something earlier that I want to come back to because I think that the the military has long been uh, in it in its entirety, long been a study for how to build and create culture really fast. Yeah which I just think is so fascinating. And, and there's so many, uh, there's so many ways that that happens, but especially when you're talking about this, these debriefs that you do and this idea of building psychological safety and having to have these really hard conversations in high, high, high pressure environments. How do you train organizations to do that? Because I think this is an art that is so lost and so often not taught and yet it helps us all to be better, to be able to communicate something that might, might you know, we would call it feedback, right? Yep, yep. Usually in the bus- in a business organization, sure. but that might be hard to hear. It's it's hard to teach people how to deliver that. It's also really hard to teach people how to receive it well, they, and then take action on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, first off, I, I love that you're on it. The word I want to go back to is culture. See, that's exactly right, okay, is that what we're really talking about here is creating a culture of excellence and also a culture of caring. See, now that's the key. You got to have both. Right. So I don't care how good you are. If you don't care, if I'm, if I'm working for you and I, I don't feel you care about me or as the customer, if I don't feel like you care, 
you know, I don't care how good you are. <laughs> okay. All right. No one cares how good you are until they know you care first. Right. So that's, that's the giving, that's the caring part. Then I do, I do care how good you are. I want to know you're world-class. I don't want to, I don't want to team up with people who aren't world-class. Come on, man. And now if you're not there, that's okay. Let's, let's keep working on it together. All right. That's how we're in this thing together. So it's all about a culture. Um, it's also, you got to know your center point. And I say center point, that's what we used in the Blue Angels as air shows, as, as an mm. alignment tool. You know, what is, you know, you can say it's your mission statement, okay? But it actually goes a little bit deeper than that because center points can be both strategic and tactical. So I got to get people aligned. We got to know what's our objective. And then there's a ton of different roles. You know, when I come out, we, we have a maneuver called the loop break cross in the Blue Angels. I use this metaphor when I'm working with companies all the time. Okay, you got six jets. We're 18 inches from apart, by the way, which is so freaking cool. You know, you don't realize when you're 18 inches from another jet, you can actually see the cracks in the paint of the aircraft next to you. Imagine doing that. With you're, a, you're giving me chills. Well, I hope so. They gave me chills too, because you got to, you know, <laughs> you got to be aware, right? And, th and then you you can see these cracks in the paint. This is a 22 ton jet going 500 miles per hour, right? All right. And then the boss says, "Up we go!" And on the G, you go all six jets going up into the vertical. I mean, vertical, not a not a passenger jet vertical right and then you go beyond the vertical you tilt your head back you see the horizon come up all right and now you're you're 18 inches from this jet now don't forget while you're doing all this you're not kind of hanging out all right and then you 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 you're going down the backside, the G-forces are coming on. And then the boss says, smoke already break, and you go into six different directions, okay? And, and so we did that every day, right? I mean, that was just one of 30 maneuvers. But here's the analogy. So I got people with different roles, different responsibilities, same thing as, as you do in a company, right? We're all going in different directions, but we come back and we cross, and it's a beautiful maneuver where all six jets cross over this center point in a perfectly lined stack. Right. And that's because, number one, we know what the center point is. OK, we also are making continuous adjustments. I mean, you know, it looks like we're constantly it looks like if you ever, if you ever watched the show, we're perfect. No, we're constantly off. We're just making adjustments quickly and we're making small adjustments. And then we get to that point. And when we stack it, stack, it means everybody's role hit at the right time for what the outcome. See, it's not just you doing your role. I don't care if. Five people do their role perfectly and we have one person off. We all care. It's not like, hey, I, I, I was fine. You were off. No, none of that crap. What can we do together? I want all six jets uh, in a stack. And that's because we all own the outcome, not just our roles. And there's so much good stuff to take away there and and the alignment in the like business world and, and leading any kind of team. And you talked about the alignment, the center point and the small adjustments really stood out to me because I think it's something that gets missed so often. It's, it's like, yeah, great. There's, yeah. there's the plan. We're going to fly it. It's going to be perfect. And that's just never reality. And like, how can you make those small adjustments to course correct and to recognize them and, and as quickly as possible, make the adjustments. And that's something that I think it's overlooked very often in business planning. It's how, how frequent those adjustments need to happen. Yeah, well, I'll give you one, Chris. So classic, you know, and I don't want to say um, planning is important, right? I mean, we, it's important to put that and get specifics. And I want contingency plans in place. I want to know if I need a spare jet, all these kinds of things, right? But we used to have a saying, so we took it very seriously. It's not about the plan so much because that's fine. I want to be prepared. See, that's the difference, okay? I'm talking about how do you be, be prepared? How do you be bring your A game Every single day, the morning you wake up, bam, and I got a trigger. I can teach to you in seven minutes, my program, teach you quicker than that. But how do you get your mind totally focused and aligned in seven minutes, okay? Because that's what I want. Now, the other thing that we tell ourselves in the brief is the minute we get airborne, things change. Mm. I know that. I'm looking forward to the change. Interest rates are going to go up. The market's going to change. All this stuff. Hey, that's normal. I'm not going to fight that. I'm going to I'm going to embrace it. And I know it's going to happen pretty dang quick. The minute I get airborne, it's going to happen. 
Well, I think this goes back to how important it is that, you know, we talked about, obviously it's important to have the checklist and have the systems, but you also have to have the mindset around being agile. Exactly. You have to, and, and then you have to trust that the people around you who are also on the way to this destination, that the team around you is able to make those quick adjustments and able to think for themselves when they need to move quickly. I mean, that's part of having the A-team around you, right? Oh man, I love it. You use the word trust and, you know, and I'm going to go back to you because that's, that's the key. We had high trust contracts, okay, that basically says, I'm going to do, like for me, when I came up with my opposing solo, we're the solo pilots. Solo pilots are the maximum performance demonstrators. My job was to break the jet, okay? I want to break that airplane. I want, I, want, I want to pull as much G as possible, right? So I'm coming at my teammate at 1,000 miles per hour closure, crossing within a wingspan, right? And I do that with simple contracts, which was thumper my wingman, Thumper, I said, look, I'll be on the flight line. I won't be five foot left or five foot right. By the way, the flight line is the inboard edge of the left painted stripe on the runway. I'll set the altitude. I'll give you the command to execute a full stick deflection roll. You have one job. Miss me. <laughs> the biggest game of chicken. Yeah, it's the biggest game of chicken you ever played. But, you know, Nikki and Chris, that's the level of high trust. I'd point my nose at him. He'd point his nose at me. And we said, you know what? I'll be I'll be consistent. You miss me. And sometimes that's really hard <laughs> to do. Uh, but see, these are these high trust contracts that we already have in business. We already have these in life, right? You have these with your customers, by the way, right? And um, so, yeah, so we teach about how to really make some powerful high trust contracts that allow you to execute at the highest level. And then I'm instantaneously debriefing I'm up on my back radio right after that going, Mo, what do you got? I got an observer on the ground because I want to know. I know what I saw, but I don't care what I saw. I want to know what the customer sees. So we get immediate feedback, immediate feedback. And then we adjust. Well, I have to imagine that this is where this, this necessity to be able to control your mindset also yeah. comes from, right, John? Because if you're going up and you are going nose to nose and you're going to miss somebody by a hair by doing this wild maneuver that I could never repeat no matter how many times you explained it to me, I have to imagine that if you're not all the way there, that you're not only putting your life in danger, you're putting someone else's life in danger. And I'm sure that that's where this, this need for you to control that mindset comes from. So you, you said you could teach it faster than seven minutes. So walk us through how, how you do that every day. I want to know. Now I need to know the secret. Okay, okay. Well, you can't just right. dangle that in front of me. Well, I'll teach you what I do every morning, and then you can decide if this works for you, okay? Um, I start by waking up happy. I mean, do you wake up happy? Okay. That's the question. Does, does anybody wake up happy? I want you to check your first conscious thought that hits your brain tomorrow morning. Okay. And I want you to see, is it a happy thought or is it, what am I late to? What's the next problem I going to solve? Right. Okay. So you can actually, you can train your brain to wake up happy. So we know this neuroscience that has this um, bottom line is very simple. Here's what I do. I do what I call my glad to be your wake up. Try this, Nikki. Try this, Chris, tomorrow, right? Very first thing when you wake up, just what are three things you're grateful for in the present moment, okay? I want you to stay in your present moment. This is critical, right? So for to me, it was easy today. I, I live in Sun Valley, Idaho, right? So I look out, the snow, it's starting to snow here, by the way. It was it was 14 degrees, all right? I got my two Rhodesian Ridgebacks. They're in bed with me, all right? These are 100-pound dogs, okay? You know, and I just wake up and I go, man, just another magical day, right? All right, I'm just absorbing my, my outside. I also say, you know, hey, I feel good today. I'm strong, I'm healthy, right? Um, so anything that's in that present moment, but then here's what I want you to do after that. I want you to go back 24 hours and I want you to reflect, debrief, okay, on what happened yesterday, but not just what happened yesterday. I wanna know three things that you're grateful for, three things that happened yesterday. And I want you to think about people's faces, I want you to think about the interaction. Like tomorrow, I'll be thinking about you, both of you, okay? And I actually can see your faces. I will actually bring those to my mind again. And I'll say, wow, you know, we had a great podcast. We had this great interaction. You know, I'm grateful for that, right? Um, you know, what was it? You know, like I said, you know, I was just with a client. So um, I've got two briefing calls right after this for future events, right? And I'll, I'll say, okay, well, thank you. Thank you for the, that information, right? So again, 24 hours. Now you can go back as far as you want, but I do this every day. So I just go back 24 hours, right? Now here's the key as a leader. Anyone who's a leader or anyone who's on this, really just anybody, um, go forward in your day. Third step, 
Go forward in your day, and I want you to think of others, not just yourself. Yes, I use my calendar, right? But my bottom line is, you know, how can I be of service to somebody else? How can I show up? I call myself an angel of appearances. How may I appear not as I want, but as you need me, right? And if you think about that, that's intention. You got to put that intention in your mind. Then when the moment happens, you're in the flow. See, you're, you're in your natural state. So I call that my glad to be here wake up. Try it. See if it works for you. I'm going to try it and report back. And, and I love what you just said, because you said, you said that I have to think about how other people need me. Yeah. And especially when you're in a challenging market environment, economy, market, whatever it is, yeah. I think a lot of leaders envision themselves as leaders the way that they would like to show up. And I always tell leaders that you don't get the privilege of being the leader you want to be. You have to be the leader that your people need at any given time. Wait, you want to be a leader and that what? You, you don't get to be the leader that you want to be. You have to be the leader that your people need. Need. Love it. Good. Good. I like that. Way to go. And I think that, and I think the way you organize this is really has forethought around what do my people actually need? Because it's great to say that in theory. It's something else to actually say, what is it that they need and how am I going to take action on that? Yeah. See, that's mindfulness. See what you're talking about. That word's thrown out there all the time, right? but this is real now. Mindfulness is being aware. I call it situational awareness. In fighter jet, you better be situationally aware, right? Not just of what you're doing, but where's the threat? What's going on around me? And you need to know that stuff, right? But what I, I like what you said is, you know, as a, as a human being, let alone a leader, you know, are we mindful? Are we actually able to stop thinking about ourselves, which, by the way, is hard to do, okay, for most people? And are you willing to, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes? They call that empathy. But this idea of wanting to um, be aware and, and curious, curious helps, by the way, um, uh, and, and ask questions and be there for them. Um, that's the difference between compassion and empathy. The difference is very simple. What, what do you think the difference is? I mean, how would you define compassion versus empathy? One feels more intentional. My personal. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Nikki. That's exactly where I was going to mm-hmm. go, Chris. I, 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 it's, well, I was, I was going to go exactly there. That compassion to me says I feel for you. Empathy to me says I, can, I have the ability to put myself in your shoes. Okay. So very similar. I, I love where you're going. So the feeling for you and putting yourself in shoes, that's a technique. That's empathy. Empathy is, can you feel what the other person's feeling? Right. All right. Compassion has empathy. you got to have empathy to have compassion, but there's one significant change. And that is you have to take action. Okay. Compassion involves action. Compassion involves wisdom. So um, empathy is, I feel for you. Compassion is, what do you do? How do you support that person? Can you share your wisdom? Now, sometimes the action is nothing, but that's an action step, right? Sometimes it's just put your arm around somebody and just be with them. Okay, fine. But most compassion means, hey, I need to do something or, you know, you got to share. So it's action. That's the beautiful part. So I'm always working on compassion. All right. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how can, and as a leader, how can you help or serve that other person? And it really works good for customers, by the way. Earlier, you mentioned the like the, the the team will like something to the effect of the team will move as fast as maybe like the slowest team member, or if if you know if there's someone on your team that's struggling. And I think there's something to that too, and like recognizing as a leader where you invest your time and and identifying like, hey, we, yeah. we as a team can truly only move as fast as the the, the team member who's struggling and. I think you can naturally, as a team, start to maybe shift your focus away from because it feels like it's a drain, but truly you need to pour into to move everybody forward. And I think that comes from a place of compassion and understanding. Oh, I love you. I love your thought, Chris. I don't think I actually said that. I think you you heard that, which is really <laughs> cool. All right. That's even better, right? Because you heard my words in your own mind. Uh, I was talking about the five jets and one being off, and you took that analogy and you, and you moved it to where you are, which is, by the way, incredibly powerful. I think that's good. And that's what you want people to do. You know, um, I want people to adapt and adjust. So, but the, to answer your question, here's how we did it on Blue Angels, is um, we cannot fly at 18 inches unless all six pilots can fly at 18 inches, all right? I can't have five people there and one person be at 
36 inches because it looks like hell. So what we have to do is come together. All right. Now, not everybody is at the same speed. All right. So what do we do? We have an incredible coaching and mentoring program on the Blue Angels. When mm. you get on the Blues, you're assigned a coach. All right. And this coach is there to help you one on one. Then because of the methodologies that I teach on debrief, you're getting coached in the debrief. But as a team, as an organization. So we're doing one on one training. We're doing team training and we're pulling this all together. And if somebody's having a bad day, we loosen it up. OK, we loosen it up and then we but we work, we help each other and we get back together. And we all know that everyone's going to have a bad day. It's not going to be just that one person. OK, so I'm, I, I want to be attuned to how people are feel, what's going on in their life, not just what's the, the next task I got to do. Mm. That's not it, man. Glad to be here is you got to appreciate your people. You got to care and uh, and you got to be authentic yourself. And that's that's. That's the issue, man. Just be authentic. Okay. I'll work with you. If you're authentic. <laughs> if you're hiding something or if you got some other stuff going on, be authentic about it. We can work through it. You've got such a, an incredible career and clearly you've done some amazing stuff. Uh, what gets you out of bed today? Like what excites you and gets your blood moving uh, that you're focused on? Well, believe it or not, this podcast, I'm not saying that just because it's the <laughs> podcast, right? Because it's the it's the medium that I can share whatever I have with others. OK, so it's always about how can I impact somebody else? All right. What's the what's the most efficient way? Um, so I call it learn, grow, give. That's one of my mantras. How can I learn today? How can I grow? More importantly, how can I give? Then I realized I have the order wrong. It starts with giving. As long as I'm giving, all that other stuff will, will come there. So, so that's the that's the main purpose of my life. I, I think about passion, purpose, and presence. Okay, um, but I have fun. So the other thing that gets me out of bed is I'm going hiking right out my, my, my door here right after this. OK, we'll hike up 2000 feet. We're up about 10,000 feet. I, I live at 6000 feet. Right. I got my my dogs. All right. They love going out there. And we're in like nature, man. We're talking about wolves and, and mooses and elk and all these things are, are running around. They do, I had two moose bed down in my yard last night. Right. So so I get out into nature exercise, Chris, I got to exercise. Okay. We all do. It brings endorphins. Okay. So I'll hit the gym. I'll hit weights, but more importantly, I'm going to get my cardio up. I'm going to do something. Now the snow is hitting. I can't hit the slopes yet, but in about a week or two, I'm hitting the slopes. I'm going heli skiing. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm constantly pushing myself in a fun way. I'm not pushing myself to push myself. I'm like, this is fun. This is exciting. Right. And then don't forget to say thank you at night. And that's my, my, my other thing is that in the evening, I do that glad to be here again, but what am I, what am I thankful for? Right. And, 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 and I rejoice and this is critical. We all need to do this. Rejoice in your own brain. What happened that day? Did you have something to be rejoiceful for? That's the key. Stay in that, that glad to be here mindset of rejoicing. You can't be depressed and have a glad to be your mindset at the same time. You can't. Now you can toggle back and forth, but you can't have those two thoughts at the same time. Gucci, you're just a cool guy. You really are. I'm like, this guy lives the life. <laughs> I have to imagine you got to go out and find some very, even more cool things to go and excite yourself with after you, if you can get comfortable flying 18 inches away from a several ton jet, it's probably, probably ever your quest to go and find something that gets the blood pumping to your point. Well, I'm loving it. I just, I just drove my Harley up uh, north here to Montana. I'd go see Thumper. And my buddy calls me up. Same kind of thing. He's a journalist. And he goes, hey, Gucci, let's go see Thumper. And I'm saying, well, maybe. He goes, no, no, on bikes. He's got a Ducati. So I'm like, really? Oh, you know what? I look at my schedule. I go, I'll block off four days. Bam, bam. We're hitting there. And the next day, we're on motorcycles. We're going through two-lane roads. I almost crashed. Like, I went in a cur curve at 90 miles per hour. But I learned it. He said my left arm was shaking. The whole bike was swiveling. And he expected me to stop after that because, I mean, I barely went over the guardrail. And stop? Hell no, man. I'm pressing to the next corner, okay? Um, but the idea is just don't be stupid, okay? When I say this stuff, it is easy to kill yourself. That's not hard. It's easy to run out of money in business. It's easy to be stupid. It's what's hard. And what I like, Nikki, and you're sensing it, is I like to push that edge, man. I like to, but I like, to, I like, I know what it feels like to be on the edge. I love that. Now, here's the key. You can't stay there. 
just can't. I mean, I work with Olympic people all the time. These downhill ski racers, they get it, right? Because they're on the edge. Now, when you're on the edge, it's very uncomfortable, okay? It's very uncomfortable. So here's what I do. The minute I hit the edge on anything, I back off because that's control. See, I know I control. I back off, and then I hit it again. Back off, hit it again. It's called nibbling the envelope. I'm constantly nibbling there, um, and that's what's fun. That's when, man, you're, you're living your life like that. You know what it is? The grass is greener. Ice cream tastes better, okay? People, women are more beautiful. Guys are better. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like you, you just walk out in the world and you go, this is a cool place. Well, and to your point, I think it's about having the self-control and awareness to know I'm, I'm okay to dance on the edge. I just can't dance too far. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and it's growth stage. It's step by step, right? Um, and uh, yeah. And then there's times where you got to throttle back. I'm okay with throttle back. I actually like to uh, be contemplative some. You know, I'm writing my new book, right? So I, I, I'm in this. It's called The Glad to Be Your Mindset. It's going to be how to give and live life in all its fullness. So I'm having these discussions. And I like thinking about it. You know, I like reflecting back on that. And um, so it's a little both, right? It's a little both. Gucci, at the end of all of these podcasts, we always ask, what's the one thing that you would want to leave our listeners with? If they could get one thing out of this podcast, what would it be? What's yours? Dang, we said it so many times. It's what I'm wearing on my shirt here, man. Uh, just live and give life in the glad to be here mindset, right? Uh, be grateful, be generous. Um, be kind, all these things. Uh, enjoy your dang life. Now, what's the tactic I would give you? Debrief, okay? Learn how to do a glad to be here debrief, both in your team and personally. Um, that's, that's the tool that allows you to continually be in this state of bliss. I love that. And if people want to connect with you, where should they find you? Best way is website, you know, johnfoleyinc.com. Um, I think there's a sign up thing you can put in there. I, I send a weekly newsletter out. Um, you know, more importantly, hey, I got I got something cool for everybody who has kids, right? Anyone who's got youth. I'm doing a, a special thing December 20th, a webinar. It's free um, for youth on how to reach their hopes and dreams, right? So maybe we'll tell that story, Chris, about a 12-year-old boy looking up and seeing the Jets, right? But the key is that... Um, you know, I want to get this message out, not just the corporate world. I mean, we speak over 100 times a year to all kinds of great corporations working with P&G right now to develop, you know, how do the best get better? Their innovation. Right. So we do all that. But I want to I want to empower youth, man. So anyhow, just connect. Um, LinkedIn's really good, too, by the way. I got a whole team that supports me and uh, whatever whatever we can do to share this information. And you guys keep it up, too, man. The one thing's a powerful message. And uh I think you're, you're helping a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Glad to be here. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on one-on-one -on -one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.